0: Well, good evening to all of you. As I was praying about what to share with you tonight, God directed my heart uh, to the chapter in the Bible that you find the word love more than any other chapter. Some of you are thinking it is 1 Corinthians 13. That is not correct. In 1 Corinthians 13, you find the word love eight times in the chapter I want to talk to you about you find the word love 26 times in 12 verses love 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 the title of this message is it's all about love and the passage of scripture I want us to think about together is in 1 John, chapter 4, verses 7 through 19. His name was Kevin, Kevin Jones. He had wild hair. He wore a T-shirt with ragged jeans and flip-flops. And that was his entire wardrobe for his four years of college. Kevin was... A bright young man, kind of strange and esoteric. He wasn't a Christian. But the college that he went to, right across the street from the college, there was a very conservative, very well dressed church, and they were trying to attract college students to come and go to their church. And so they purchased a banner to put on the side of the church, a big, huge banner that said, College Students Welcome. Well, Calvin wasn't a Christian, and so he decided one day that he would try this church thing. He would go to church and see what it was all about. And so he was a few minutes late uh, when he got there. He didn't know you were supposed to be there on time. And when he walked in the back, uh, the choir was just finishing their last song before the pastor got up to preach. And when he walked in the back door, uh, the church was totally full of people that day there wasn't a seat anywhere uh, to be found and he'd never been in church before he didn't know what to do and so there he was with his wild hair and his t-shirt and his ragged jeans and his flip-flops and he he just walked right down the center aisle looking around for a seat on one side or another and he couldn't find one so he just squatted down right in the center of the aisle in front of the pulpit Well, when the choir finished uh, their number, you can imagine there was an awkward silence in the room. (laughs) Everybody was watching this young kid. Who is this kid? What is he doing? And so they just sat there in silence for a moment when all of a sudden, way in the back, there was an old man, an, an old deacon. His name was Albert. He got up and began to make his way forward. He was the head deacon. He was wearing a pinstripe suit he was a distinguished man with silver hair and everyone in the church that day could hear the clicking of his cane as he made his way forward and everybody in their mind was thinking well we know what he has to do (laughs) we know what this old man he can't take these kinds of things we know what he has to do and so everyone just sat there as they watched him walk up he made his way to the center aisle and when he got near Kevin he dropped his cane and with great effort he squatted down next to him later he told the people I my heart just went out to this young kid and I didn't want him to be alone well a moment later after the pastor regained his composure he walked to the pulpit and he said ladies and gentlemen what I'm about to say you might never remember but what we have all seen we will never forget and how could they forget for in that moment That old man was like God. What that old man did that day, he had learned from another old man. An old man whose name was John. The Apostle John. Tradition tells us that the Apostle John lived into his 90s, maybe even to 100 years of age. He was the last living apostle. And in his long life, he'd seen a lot of things happen. He outlived Peter and James and Andrew. He outlived Philip and Thomas and Bartholomew. He outlived Matthew and Thaddeus and Simon. He outlived James and Judas and the Apostle Paul. In his long life, he'd seen a lot of things happen. In his long life, he'd seen a lot of people come and go. In his long life, he had watched a lot of water go under the bridge. And he had learned what is truly important in life, he had sifted through all of the lesser things and began to focus on what is truly important in life. And as an old man, he sat down to write a letter to the church he was a part of, the church at Ephesus. And that letter we now call First John. And in that letter he's trying to write to these people knowing he may not have that much longer to live. He's trying to write to them what is truly important in life. And the key part of the book, the most important part of the book is the part of the book I want to read right now. It is 1 John chapter 4 verse 7. 19 he writes beloved let us love one another for love is of God and everyone who loves is born of God and knows God he who does not love does not know God for God is love in this the love of God was manifested toward us That God sent his only begotten son into the world. That we might live through him. And this is love. Not that we love God. But that he loved us and sent his son to be the propitiation. The atoning sacrifice for our sins. Beloved if God so loved us. We also ought to love one another. No one has seen God at any time. If we love one another, God abides in us and his love has been perfected in us. We have seen and testified that the Father has sent the Son as Savior of the world. Whoever confesses that Jesus is the Son of God, God abides in him. He is in God and we have known and have believed the love that God has for us. God is love. And he who abides in love abides in God and God in him. We love him because he first loved us. Love, 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 love 26 times in 12 verses. It's as if John is saying, to those people here's what i've learned people come and go things in life change but when you sift it all through when you boil it all down the most important thing is love it's all about love john in what he writes describes three kinds of loving. Three kinds of love. What we could call downward love. What we could call upward love. And what we could call outward love. Downward love. Upward love. And outward love. It all begins with downward love. Everything in life, everything in your life, everything in your marriage, everything in your family, it all goes back to understanding about downward love. God's love for you. God's love for me. You cannot love Him. You cannot love others unless you know about His love for you. This is what John says in verse 9 and 10. Let me read again. In this the love of God was manifested toward us that God sent His only begotten Son into the world that we might live through Him. In this is love. Not that we love God, but that He loved us And he sent his son to be the atoning sacrifice. He sent his son to die for you and for me. That is the greatest love of all, to understand about the love of God. Downward love. His love for you. His love for me. The apostle Paul understood this in Romans 5 and verse 8. He said, but God demonstrated his own love toward us. And that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. In John 3 and verse 16, you know well. For God so loved, he so loved the world, that he sent his only begotten Son, that whosoever believes in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. Life. If you want to know about love, then look at the love of God. Such love is vividly and unforgettably illustrated in a father and his son. A father named John Griffith and his son named Greg. In the beginning part of the last century there was a young man his name was John Griffith and he married a beautiful young lady they lived in Oklahoma and they had a young son they named uh, Greg and life was pretty good for them but then in 1929 The stock market crashed and down came crashing the dreams of John Griffith and his young family. To find work, John Griffith had to move to Mississippi and he got a job as a controller on one of the large bridges that spanned the Mississippi. And one day, his young son, Greg, said, Dad, I want to go with you to work today, and so they packed up a lunch and they headed off to the bridge and where John Griffith worked it was a drawbridge that went up high, and the ships would go underneath and then the bridge would come down and the trains would go across and as he was controlling the bridge that day his young son Greg only about eight years old he he thought wow my dad is the greatest dad in all of the world such power he has to raise this massive bridge and to lower this massive bridge and John had just raised the bridge up for a ship to go under and it was about lunchtime and so he locked the controls in place and he and his son Greg, they took their lunches and they just sat on this observation deck where they could overlook the river and they were sitting there eating and having a great time, just a father and his son. You can imagine what it was like when all of a sudden the shriek of a train whistle shocked John Griffith back into reality. He quickly looked out at his watch. It was 1.07 p.m., and in moments, the Memphis Express would emerge from the the woods, expecting to cross that bridge to the other side, but the bridge was up. Not wanting to panic, his son, he looked at him, and he said, Greg, stay right here. Stay right here. I'll be back in a moment. He scampered up the catwalk into the control room to lower the bridge And as he had been trained to do, he looked down before he pushed the levers. And when he looked down, no, no, it couldn't be. It couldn't be. When he looked down, he saw his young son, Greg, had fallen into the gearbox of the bridge. Greg had tried to follow him up. He had slipped off the catwalk and he had fallen into the gearbox. John Griffith could hear the train in the distance. He had only moments to make a decision. Lower the bridge, and his son's life would be gone. Or leave the bridge up, and 400 people would die when that train emerged from the woods. He had only moments to decide. With tears streaming down his face. He pushed the controls. His son died that day. That all those people could live. God spared not his own son but gave him up for us all. Such love, no greater love. The hymn writer wrote, the love of God is greater far than tongue or pen could ever tell. It goes beyond the highest star and reaches to the lowest hell. The guilty pair bowed down with care. God gave his son to win. His erring child he reconciled and pardoned. From their sin, could we with ink the ocean fill? And Were the skies of parchment made, were every stalk on earth a quill, and every man a scribe by trade, to write the love of God above, would drain the ocean dry? Nor could the scroll contain the whole, though stretched from sky to sky? O oh, love of God! How rich, how pure, how measureless and strong, it shall forevermore endure. The saints and angels' song. Downward love, the love of God. But downward love should lead to upward love. The more you know about the love of God, the more you know he spared not his own son but gave him up for us all. The more you know that, the more you think about that, that measureless, fathomless, unbelievable love of God, what it will do is produce in your heart a love, an upward love, a love for him. This is what the old man John wrote in verse 19 when he said, we love him because he first loved us. In Mark 12 and verse 30, Jesus said, you should love the Lord your God with all of your heart and all of your soul and all of your mind and all of your strength. And if you don't love him with all of your heart and soul and mind and strength, then you don't know how much he loved you. Because if you knew how much he loved you, then you would love him with all that is within you. Such love you could not hold back. How could you not love a God who so loved you? Such love is illustrated in the life of a young woman named Debbie Williams. It was good Friday morning, April 17th. 1987. Debbie Williams and a half dozen of her friends boarded a plane near Phoenix, Arizona, a small plane, to skydive. They were part of a team together, and they were going to jump out of the plane, and they were going to join together in a mid-air formation. At 12,000 feet, they started to jump out of the plane. And it came Debbie's turn. She jumped out of the plane. And down, down, down she went. She maneuvered herself so that she could join hands with the other divers that were there. But she miscalculated her descent. And at 50 miles an hour, bang, she slammed into one of the other jumpers. It instantly knocked her unconscious. And she began to fall, 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 fall toward certain death her jump master Gregory Robertson he saw her go by and he could see the blood all over her face he knew something had happened something was wrong and so being well trained he went into what's called a no lift dive he tucked his head down into his chest put his arms at his side and down 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 he went after her at 180 miles an hour he was Catching up to her, finally he grabbed a hold of her and pulled the ripcord at just 2,000 feet from the earth. And both of them landed safely. When Debbie Williams woke up and someone explained to her what happened, She loved that jump master. Such love she had for him. Such gratitude she had for him. Such thankfulness she had for him. And how how could she not thank him? How could she not love him? Because he saved her, he rescued her. And what a picture that is. Because the Bible says all have sinned and are falling, 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 falling. But Jesus has rescued us, Jesus has saved us in the Jesus people movement, we used to sing a little chorus called the greatest thing in all my life. The greatest thing in all my life is loving you. The greatest thing in all my life is loving you. I want to love you more I want to love you more. It's the greatest thing in all my life is loving you. But there's a third kind of loving the old man John describes. And that's what we could call outward love. Downward love will lead to upward love. And that will lead to outward love. Because the more you know that God loves you, the more love and thanksgiving and gratitude will fill your heart and you will say, God, I love you. And what you will hear from God is, if you really love me, if you really want to show your love for me, then here's how I want you to do it. I want you to love others. Love others like I have loved you. This is what John is saying in verse 11. He says, beloved, if God so loved us, then we ought to love One another. Downward love leads to upward love. And that upward love will lead to outward love. Valentine's Day. Marriage. Family. I'm a simple person. You can buy all kinds of books about marriage and family. You can go to all kinds of marriage seminars and family seminars and all of that. But here's the bottom line. I'm here to tell you tonight. It's really rather simple. If you really start understanding the love of God for you, if you really get it, and you really want to love him back, then husbands, he's going to say, love your wife. Lay lay your life down for your wife. The more you know the love of God, and the more you love Him, the stronger your marriage will become. It's that simple. It's so simple. The old man John got it. (laughs) And why is the more you will love your husband, the more you will love your kids, the more you will love your family, the more people in this room will love each other, the more people in the church will love each other, Downward love leads to upward love, which leads to outward love. This is what Jesus said in John 15 and verse 12 he said, "This is my commandment that you love one another as I have loved you in first John 3:11 this is the message that you heard from the beginning that you should love One another. Verse John 3 and verse 16. And in this is love. Since he laid down his life for us. We ought to lay down our lives for one another. Outward love. Outward love. It's the kind of love. A young junior high kid named Billy had. If you've never been to a junior high camp. You should go to a junior high camp. I think everybody should have the experience of being a junior high counselor at least once in their life. If you know anything about junior high kids, their idea of having a good time is picking on people. And at the particular camp that young Billy was at, there was a group of junior high kids that picked on him. Billy had cerebral palsy. He was awkward and uncoordinated. And there was a group of boys that decided they wanted to pick on him. They would gather together and imitate the awkward way with which he walked. One day at camp, they began to mimic and mock the way he spoke. He He asked them, which way is the snack shop? And they laughed and said, it's over there, Billy. But it all came to a head on a Thursday morning because these boys, Billy was in their cabin, and they picked him to do the devotion in chapel that morning, and they had done it intentionally because they wanted to mock him and make fun of him. So it came time to give the devotion, and Billy got up and began to shuffle his way forward, and you could hear junior high kids giggling all over the audience. It took Billy almost two minutes to say just 10 words. He said, Jesus loves me. I love Jesus. And I love you. When Billy got done, there wasn't a dry eye anywhere in the room. Junior high kids broke down and were crying all over the room. And everything in that camp changed in that moment. Billy had taught them a lesson. The lesson John is describing. The lesson about love. That downward love will lead to upward love. Which will lead to outward love. No matter how unlovable the person is around you. Does God only love beautiful people? Does God only love wealthy people? Does God only love smart people? Or does he love you? Does he love me? And if he loves someone like you, and he loves someone like me, and we love him back, then we will love anyone who gets in front of us No matter who they are, no matter what they look like, no matter what they sound like, we will love them. This is what it's all about. This is what marriage is all about. This is what family is all about. This is what church is all about. The old man John, he learned. Put all the other stuff aside, it isn't about style and entertainment. And all of these things, when you boil it all down, it's about one thing and only one thing. And that is love. That's what should characterize your marriage. That on this Valentine's Day is what should characterize your marriage. Relationship, an undying, an unending, faithful, till death do us part, love. How many in this room are so glad God didn't love you for a year and then say, you know what, I just don't love you anymore. I've fallen out of love with you. Anyone in this room thankful that after 10 years of a relationship with God, God didn't just say to you, you know what? I don't love you. I don't love you like I did the first day you became a Christian. I just don't love you that much anymore. Such love. Such love. Is a faithful love. Until death do us part love. It's the kind of love a couple had. Their names were Robertson and Muriel McQuilkin. Robertson McQuilkin was a great man of God. He founded Columbia Bible College and Seminary in South Carolina man of God faithful to his wife all the days of their marriage but as they got older it was discovered that his wife Muriel had Alzheimer's being the president of a Bible college and seminary he had a choice to make at that point really he just wanted to resign so he could take care of his wife. But many of his friends and the board of the college, they urged him, you're so important, you're so needed, we'll arrange to have someone take care of your wife, and they didn't live too awful far from this school, and someone will be there to take care of your wife, then you can continue your responsibilities at the school. And so he did, Mm -hmm. until eventually he had to care for his wife a number of years ago while this was happening he wrote an article that appeared in Christianity Today called Living by Vows as I finish tonight I want to read a portion of his article he wrote Muriel never knew what was happening to her Though occasionally, someone referred to Alzheimer's on TV, she would muse aloud, I wonder if I'll ever have that. It didn't seem painful for her, but it was very a very slow dying for me to watch this vibrant, creative, articulate person I knew and loved gradually dimming out. Muriel cannot comprehend much now nor express many thoughts in those not for sure but she knows whom she loves and lives in happy oblivion to almost everything else she is such a delight to me I don't have to care for her I get to one blessing is the way she's teaching me so much especially about love Muriel cannot speak in sentences only in phrases and words and often words that make little sense, but she can say one sentence and she says it often, I love you, I love you, I love you, and she not only says it, she acts it. The board of the college arranged for a companion to stay in our home during day so I could go to the office. During those days, it became increasingly difficult to keep Muriel at home. As soon as I left, she would take out after me. With me, she was content. Without me, she was distressed and fearful. The walk to the college is a mile round trip. Muriel would make that trip as many as 10 times a day just to see me. Sometimes at night when I helped her undress I would find her feet raw and bloody. When I told the family doctor about it he choked up. Such love, he said. Such love. Says McQuilkin, I wish I loved God like that. Desperate to be near Him at all times. And thus Muriel teaches me day by day. She loves me, and I love her, and I always. it's all about love let's pray father we thank you so much for these amazing words of John the aged old man John who had learned from much living what is truly important that's why we've come tonight. That's why we're here. Love. We're not just here to eat dinner and socialize and have a good time, though that is important, and we are. We're here on this day when everybody remembers love to think about the greatest love of all. That is your love for us. And God, the more we think about that, we just love you back so much. We love you back. We are so grateful for your love for us. Your unconditional, unending, undying, faithful, steadfast love. Lord, help us to be desperate to be near you at all times. That tomorrow morning we get up early just to be with you. Tonight before we go to bed, just take a moment to be with you because we love you. Not because we have to, but because we want to. And Lord, if we really love you, then we will love each other. Help us as husbands to love our wives as we should. Help us as wives to love our husbands as we should. Help us as parents to love our children. Help us as brothers and sisters in Christ to really love each other. Thank you so much for bringing us all here together tonight. And thank you so much for speaking to our hearts. May these simple but profound words go deep into our hearts. And may we never forget, it's all about love. In Jesus' name we pray.